Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast. Because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. Um, on today's show, uh, we're starting to calm down a little bit, we're starting to come off the, 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 the euphoria that we felt after the Ulster final and starting to actually realise that we're now uh, part of a county that are the Ulster champions, so it's it's a great, great feeling. Delighted to be joined by the sports editor of the anglo Cell, Paul Fitzpatrick to go through your talking points that you got in contact with us on, mainly on social media, but even on email, which we're, we're delighted to receive anyway. So, Paul, I can only imagine loads of talking points um, from the Cavan supporters. Uh, a historic weekend. Damien, it's unbelievable. It hasn't really sunk in, I think. Most Cavan supporters I'm speaking to are just saying, you know, it just hasn't fully sunk in. They just can't believe it. I was speaking to Siobhan Brady in Crow Park um, this morning over email, and uh, she's a great Cavan supporter. And Siobhan was saying every now and then, you know, she she sort of has the pinch herself. And I think that's the same with, with an awful lot of people that, uh, you know, it's it was unexpected, uh, which makes it sort of even more surreal. Like we we all talked. Well, it wasn't. In fairness, you called it, and I must I must say I. I said on the podcast we did the other night that you were the only person to come out and call it. Uh, Kevin Carney also called it in the Irish News in midweek last week. Uh, he predicted Kevin would actually win the game. So there weren't too many uh, willing to call it. But I think, I think it's surreal and it's, it's incredible that it has happened. And it's the fact that we, we have got used to wins in the sense that we had minor wins and we had under 21 wins and we had McCrory Cup wins things like that and we got promoted uh, to Division 1 so we, we've seen Cavan teams winning stuff but this is sort of the end goal was an Ulster Senior Championship and now they've done that and there's almost a sense of anti-climax now a couple of days on because uh, like what are we going to complain about now from now on <laughs> they've done it <laughs> well, no, see, see I'm already offended by what you said there how is this the end goal? We haven't got Sam Maguire back. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. That's the end goal. Well, that's, that's true. That's the end goal. Well, that, that is 100% right because now Cavan have to reevaluate their goals. Like, you take Monaghan, they won two Ulster titles. And uh, after that, everyone started talking about Monaghan maybe going on and making an All Ireland final and Monaghan having a crack at an All Ireland seemed to be the big, the big thing. And I was talking to Mickey Brennan last night, just we were texting. Every now and then, I don't know if you're, you're the same, but every now and then I just find myself, I need to text somebody about this or ring somebody about this. Uh, but yeah. I was saying to Mickey, that as the dust settles on and I look at it, uh, this won't be another 97. It won't be another flash in the pan that won't be backed up. Uh, like, 
after 97, when you look at that Cavan team, to think that, that they only went on and made one more final even, uh, that would be so disappointing if that's the case with this team because I, I actually think that this team is going to kick on now and do really well because for the first time, they're playing with complete confidence and belief in their ability. And that's only going to get, get stronger and stronger now that they've actually um, got the victory that they were looking for. And like Mickey Graham has his players in the palm of his hand now. I was talking to Finta Cahill on Sunday and he, he was saying to me, I texted him Sunday morning and I said, what do you think? And he said, uh, may, he goes, maybe, just maybe. That's what he texted me back. And then I talked to him Sunday night after the game and he said, what was giving him hope was that after the down, the down game, he saw uh, Mickey Graham talking to the players in a huddle. And he said, there's something about their body language that said to him, he's got them where he wants them. These lads are hanging on his every word now. And they, they, mm. Mark O'Shea identified that on the 42.ie's GA podcast as well, that the, that the players have really bought into the manager. And like, you know, if, if Mickey Graham asked those lads to climb a mountain and jump off the top of it, I think they'd do it now. Because they know that if he said you're going to land on a, on a bouncy castle, <laughs> I think they'd believe, they believe him. Yeah, there are two points that I want to bring from that. So, and, and you're right. In 97, and we, we had Mickey Graham when he first came in as cabin manager back this time two years ago, um, or a little bit after, actually. But um, we'd done an in-depth interview. And he, I asked him about that 97, and was there a disappointment that that was it? And he said, definitely, we're full of regret that we didn't go on and achieve more as a group of players because we had the talent. We just didn't, we didn't apply ourselves. And maybe we made mistakes by you know, looking for every manager to be Martin McHugh. And on top of that, so he's, he's already come from that point of experience, which will give a fairly good lead that these players aren't going to follow that same path. He knows the pitfalls that happened in 97 or after 97. But the other thing, you talk about eating into the palm of his hand. I don't know, did you watch the water break as, uh, in the second half and Mickey coming onto the field? And I don't think it was by accident by any means. So as the, the players were starting to come together, some Donegal players were walking by as well as Cavan players coming together. And Mickey was very animated and very vocal. And it was this sort of a... a, a uh, fist in, into the other hand to say we've got this lads we're here this is where we wanted to be I think he was sending the message to the Donegal boys as well that these boys love these final quarters and then he was putting his arm around a few lads as if to say now now's the time I'm telling you I told you we're going to get to this point now you just go and finish it so I was looking at that going you know he, there was no panic in him it was calculated that the confidence was there. Killing the Gunner references it in interviews, which we don't have time to get into um, on, on this podcast. But we've, we've, I don't, I'll name all of the interviews later on. But he references that it never felt like we weren't going to win this game. So there was a, a confidence, and that came from the management. Like I think on, on TV they were talking about how calm Mickey is along the sideline. Again, he was. He he never really kind of showed any form of panic on the sideline. Um, which led on to the players onto the field not showing any panic. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, it was something we identified in the podcast last week, and I was writing about it in the paper. That you know, to, to and I'm not just saying two fingers to all the people who wrote wrote us off or wrote Kevin off, but uh, there was a there was a collective amnesia there. People seem to think that this was the first time Kevin were ever going to try and win an Ulster title, 
our go in as underdogs. And they were just, it was just like Donegal, good, Cavan, bad, game over, move on. And yeah. that was the attitude in, in the build up. And even really good judges of football that I was talking to, um, journalists around the country whose opinion I would greatly respect, uh, were dismissing Cavan completely. And I was, I was making the point that, and I wrote it exactly like this, that Cavan are not trying to do something they've never done before here. Mickey Graham and Darren McCabe uh, were involved in a breakthrough also, also success in 1997, which was um, very similar in that the odds were totally stacked against you. And back then, uh, the, the betting odds weren't like 1 to 10 or anything, because you didn't get that in games back then. Um, because I think now you've got that happens now because you do have people just would, would put thousands on a on a favorite, so they have to be cut really short. I, I think that's the reason for that. But Derry would have been equally as fancy as Donegal were back then with the profile of their team back then, which was very similar to Donegal's with a good few uh, all Ireland medalists on it, plus a, a wave of quality underage players among the best young players in the country. But um, you know, I, I think there was definitely complacency on Donegal's part. It had to have seeped in. And I'm sure Declan Bonner uh, had done everything he could to ward against it. And when you have Michael Murphy uh, as a motivator in your dressing room, like really, since Michael Murphy came into the Donegal panel, uh, they've never really flopped in a big game. Uh, sorry, since he came up, took over as captain, I should say. Like the last time they were really caught before that uh, was probably Antrim in, in 2009. But generally, Donegal have, have beaten the teams they're expected to beat. And they've lost games, but they've lost games against really good teams generally. And they've, they've just lost a game to another really good team now, I think, because Cavan came of age, just like we saw Monaghan do in 2013. Like, every player on the team uh, played, played out of his skin. So it was absolutely incredible. Like, how often do you, do you, see, you see that, Damien? And you know as a manager, like, how often in a managerial career can you get your team to that point where every player plays out of their skin when it's most needed? Very, very difficult to do. Very difficult. Like as the debate was, and and, and we'll we, we'll kind of move on to this because I think it is in the talking points. But it it was the most complete performance I've ever seen by a Cavan team, and that that includes your your run in '97. You know, and and it is no disrespect to anybody involved in '97, but there was an element of luck involved in '97. There was no element of luck involved with these lads here in terms of it looked like the rubber green was going against them. Like as we hear in the talking points, lots of people getting on the referee's back and, and that's a bad sign. When the winning team is getting on your back, it's a very bad sign for a referee. But maybe we'll delve into the talking points. I'm starting to think maybe we should hold off on the talking points because uh, I don't want to rush them and there's so many quality talking points. Maybe I'll pick, maybe we'll just pick out a couple Damien, because there's so many, and we're not going to have time this morning to get around them all because uh, Tuesday morning is very busy for me, myself and yourself, with the paper and everything else. But yeah. maybe we'll just go through a couple of talking points that were, that were emailed in rather than the ones that yeah. came in on Instagram. Um, some excellent talking points were, were emailed in to us this week. Uh, and the first one, the, the, I'll, read out the, I'll read out the email. We won't name the, the, the poster, but one person sent in five talking points, and it was super. He said, lads, hope the hangovers weren't too severe. Sorry, I don't do Instagram or social media. So there's old-fashioned email for some talking points, which probably means they are too long. Uh, talking point one is, does Paul still think that without fans and traditional homecomings that the championship is devalued? No, uh, I don't. And 
I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, I wrote that after the Monaghan game, uh, in a piece where where I said that I was dead wrong on that. I, I thought coming into the championship, what would be the point of winning winning it if you if you couldn't be there and you couldn't, especially if you couldn't have a homecoming and all those things. But uh, I think I think you, that it was a ridiculous sentiment. Uh, it was my honest opinion at the time, but looking back on it. And you see what it means to people. Okay, they didn't get to go to the game, but we had sort of but a. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. So yeah, one hundred percent. That was a, that was a very foolish uh, opinion in hindsight. Uh, we yeah. forgive you, Paul. Though it's okay, we forgive you. Ah, cheers, Damien. Uh, <laughs> next talking point. Was this the greatest win in fifty years? Usually, for an underdog to triumph, they need the rub of the green. We got it in ninety-seven. On Sunday, every big call went against us. Two dodgy black cards. Missing a mark. You could almost forgive Cassidy for missing McGonagall's sly elbow on Thomas Galligan, given he was unsighted. The push on Martin Riley, etc. And a load of marginal ones as well. I think that is an excellent uh, talking point there. Because I, I hadn't really thought about that. The fact that, yeah, we did get the rub of the green in 97 with, obviously, the point that was wide. And there was another one, I think, where Larry bounced the ball twice. And uh, People used to say that there was three points that Gavin got in that final that maybe, maybe weren't legal. But Jesus, we got nothing. We got no breaks really at all on on uh, Sunday, did we? We got one. Killian the Gunner may have been slightly lucky with a handoff um, that could have ended up in, in in maybe a yellow card or or a free against anyway, as he was coming out with possession of the ball. So I I I, I balanced the one, but you compare it to all the rest, and and I think it was a very shrewd observation by our listener, like. While I like we when I was on commentary on Northern Sound, uh, back in studio, they were telling us, "Oh, it should have been a red card. It was a clear elbow to the head." I don't think that I'd give a red card for that personally. And we'll hear from Thomas Gallagher later on in the week, and he wasn't making any calls for red card either. It was, I don't. There may have been intent, but there definitely wasn't enough for you to say that he deliberately meant it. And on top of that. I think it was in such a congested area, it was very difficult for officials to actually see the incident. So um, I, I think I think that you give the referee a pass on that one. But the rest of them, like even watching it back on TV, the black card on Killian the Gunner was harsh. Like the black card on, on Connor Madden was absolutely crazy. There was no, absolutely no reason that should be a black card in, in Gaelic football at any point. And if he wanted, it could have been a yellow card. He could say, look, at you were late and it was a push. But as I think it was Joanne Cantwell on RTE stated, she read out the rules. And at no point what Conor Madden done is a, is a black card. It was an absolutely terrible call. The one on Martin Riley, like you could hear Kevin McStay on commentary just kind of saying, I, I can't believe that, like how, how he didn't give a free. And then he brought it on after I think it was McHugh tried to wrestle with Martin and and he brings it on for for that. I thought I thought overall Barry Cassidy just had a stinker of a game and Cavan still, regardless of what the referee done, Cavan still got through the adversity and no matter what happened, they weren't going to lose that game. It didn't matter what a referee done, there was no way they were going to lose that game. So like there's no there was zero luck involved in Cavan's victory at the weekend. Yeah, that's com- that's completely right. And Mickey Graham highlighted it in the build-up to the game that the big teams get the get the calls. 
And it's not usually as blatant as we saw. And I'm not saying Barry Cassidy is biased. I, I, I wouldn't suggest that. I think it's a subconscious thing. It's human nature. The referees tend to favor the big teams. Referees are going to, like anyone else, you, you tend to take the safe option. And the safer option uh, that's not going to raise eyebrows is Donegal beat Cavan. That's not, you're, you're not going to be remembered as the man who absolutely fecked up a, a season if, if you just sort of subconsciously side with the favourites. And that is what happened on Sunday. I have no doubt about it. Uh, now, the black card for Conor Madden could have... Like, the, the, the black card for Killian Brady um, was terrible. It was terrible. And I feel sorry for Killian Brady because he has some detractors. And anyone, I think, who, who doesn't appreciate what he brings to, to the team needs to have a closer look because he's bringing a huge amount there to that Cavan team. But I, I think that... Uh, I think the referees, maybe his reputation is preceding them with referees at this stage because I don't think it would have been a black card there for any other player. And, no, I agree. Uh, and and just, just on the Killian, Killian uh, the Gunner point, I, I personally believe, and I was asking some of the players this and none of, them, none of them alluded to it or none of them backed me up on this. So this is just my own opinion. But I think that the difference between Cavan in 2019 and Cavan in 2020 can be sort of um, the difference in the team can be mirrored in Killian the Gunner. That last year Killian the Gunner's contribution wasn't valued. He, he was he was you know not really making the team and not really even getting on that often. And there were maybe perceived to be a better footballing team, you know, more silky skills. But what Killian brings is energy, honesty, and effort all the time, and he brings that to a level that's inspirational to the people around him. And that's what happens when Killian the Gunner starts a game for Cavan. You know Cavan are going to be at the pitch of the game. You know, they're, they're going to go out and going to get after the opposition. They're going to hassle, harry, tackle, work hard and be honest in what they're doing. And that's, I think that that's the adjustment. I see the big difference between 19 and 20, that Cavan are a very, very honest, hard-working team now. And you're getting the results to show it. Yeah, I, I think so too. Kevin are more than, than the sum of their parts at the minute. And like, you know, you take a direct swap there in the defence. Conor Mina has, uh, has not on the team now. Obviously, he's out of the country and Killian Brady is on the team. Um, if you were to take that as a direct swap, just two completely opposite players. Like, um, both physically strong, but, but Killian Brady is faster uh, than Conor Mina. But Conor Mina is a consummate ball player and definitely is a, you know, beautiful pass for the ball and, and things like that. He gives you that. So maybe maybe that wasn't what Cavan needed most. Cavan maybe needed uh, sort of player with a bit of a dog in them and a player who would just give you everything. A bit of a you know, a pulse the pulse of the side. Now last week I got a bit of slagging. Maybe last week I said Killian wasn't player of the year territory. Maybe I overegged it a bit. Uh, and in fairness we have a few outstanding contenders. Like you'd have to say with the likes of the two Gallagher men and and uh, Park Faulkner. We've got to be top Ocean of the list. Ocean Kiernan is just extraordinary. The transformation in his game. Um, I think I think Ocean has gone from being a, a good player to a superb county player there. Like absolutely fantastic player. Um, you know, there's there's several contenders that possibly maybe ahead of Killian, but I think he can be really really happy with his work. And uh, you know, for anyone who, who who takes away from what he brings to a county level or, or to, even at club level, like you just have to look at his medals. 
he's got a he's got a senior championship medal and intermediate championship medal, Ulster under twenty one medal and Ulster senior medal. You don't get a hall of medals like that unless you're a very good player. But um, another point I want to make just on about the medals, and there could be others uh, that have this set of medals as well on the panel. But one man I think that deserves special mention is Stephen Smith, because to my to my knowledge, Stephen now has under fourteen, under sixteen minor and under 21 Division 1 medals with Crusher Law. He's got a, I think he's got a Division 2 league medal with Crusher Law, a senior championship uh, medal, obviously with Crusher Law. He's got a McCrory Cup medal. He was a part of the St. Pat's panel won the McCrory Cup, and he now he's also senior championship medal. And I think he only turned 22 during the summer. So that is an <laughs> unbelievable haul of medals. He also has an absolute bag full of of Ulster handball medals for uh, colleges level and, and at championship level and juvenile ranks. Uh, he has played a lot of soccer and won a lot in soccer, including the winning penalty in a, in a Kennedy Cup match, which gave Calvin Monaghan their highest ever finish. And on top of all that, he, he was an All-Ireland champion set dancer on numerous occasions as well. So considering his brother is the current captain of the senior champions as well, they must be needing to... Uh, Joan and Donald must be needing to build an extension to fill it with the cups and medals that those lads are bringing home. It's an incredible haul of, yeah. of uh, silverware. It is. It's phenomenal. And, and now there are players in Cavan, which I think is, is amazing. There are, there are the likes of Killian Clark and, and, and others, uh, like Paul Graham. I'm trying to think of who else on the panel that had Ulster Minor, Ulster Under-21 and Ulster Senior Championship medals. I don't think we ever in the history of Cavan would have players that have all three really or, or well when did the under 21 championship no no we never we never we actually discussed this the other night on the drunken pod Damien but you're, you obviously can't remember <laughs> um, yeah no the, the under 21 started in the early 60s I think I think like 63 or 64 around that so no um, there's never been a Cavan player with all three all three medals there's also an unbelievable hall of medals in the Graham household now as well because you've obviously got Mickey having played and then managed an Ulster Senior Championship winning team. Paul has got all three medals and Andy has minor and under-21 medals. Mickey has under-21 uh, medal as a player as well. Um, and yeah. Mickey, Mickey also has a provincial medal as a manager with Mullen Yachta. So there's an unbelievable haul of provincial medals in, in the Graham household. So look, yeah, it's, it's amazing right. to think that Cavan men now have those three medals. That's the kind of thing that yeah. Tyrone do or Donegal do laterally, but for Cavan players to do it and, and Darren McVitie and Conor Minor unfortunate to miss out like they'd, they'd have been two more uh, they would have got it Brady's Arva Limited main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years a family owned and family run business Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA if you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Phenomenal. We'll move on. Talking point number two from our, our emailer. Yeah, talk, well, talking point number three. Um, on that note, how sick would it have would it have been for the lads to empty the tank and not get their just reward due to dreadful refereeing? Cassidy's performance shouldn't go unnoticed. The psychological impact of a loss of that is hard to bring teams back from. Look at Larry in 2010. 
Super point. Super point. Like, Loud never recovered from that horrendous uh, non-decision uh, in the two, 2010 Leinster final. They've come so close, like 50-odd years, generations, building up to that. And I, I suppose you could say Cavan's wait wasn't as long, but their, uh, their need was so great. And if you had been undone by, by dodgy referee, and it wasn't as blatant as that. Like, obviously, a player diving across the line, rugby style, to score a goal, and it being allowed, and it being the winning goal in an answer final, that's about as blatant as it gets. But it's still, it, it wasn't exactly subtle either. Um, no, the empty definitely. stadium worked in Cavan's favour. We didn't have 20,000 Cavan fans bringing a weight of expectation and a history of 23 years of pain. The lads could just go out and concentrate on beating Donegal. I'm not advocating for closed stadia post-COVID. Maybe this mad year has worked in our favour to get the failure to get over the line out of our systems once and for all. Since 97, at senior level, we just needed to experience winning some silverware. Yeah, that's a great point too. Like, I, 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 don't get me wrong, sometimes supporters can bring energy to players as well. So for some players, they actually could have played better with more supporters. But I, I do think you take the, the younger lads maybe that, that may not have had the experience um, of those occasions. I think that it may, it may have just helped those Cavan lads. But in general, I, I, I think Cavan were going to win that game anyway. I just think that they were, they were so hungry. They were going, just going to find a way. They, they had the belief. They had this this just drive within them. But I do think it, it, it made it a little bit easier for them to do so. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. We, like, looking at those players who have the, this full set of medals, um, you have Paul Graham, Liam Buchanan, uh, Jerry Smith, Kieran Brady. Um, don't tell me mine is going to go blank again here. Killian Clark and Park Faulkner. I think that's the six who, who have all those medals. I think Kieran Brady. Does, does Park Faulkner have that medal, the minor? Yeah, he was he was an unused sub in that final. But Park oh, was on, yeah, Park was underage the following year, uh, as far as I recall. He was underage the following he had year. He injury. I, I know he was injured that year with with his last, or that year of minor, um, and and uh, I know he didn't make the team, and uh, but I just wasn't sure whether he was actually on the panel. Yeah, no, he was. Something I don't have the program that to hand, but something tells me he was number seventeen in that panel. But you know, he was definitely on it. Yeah, no, he definitely has a medal from it, um, but. Yeah, one lad I think we should we should give a special mention to is Kieran Brady, because that like that's another player that has just slogged and slogged with Cavan. Like came in in twenty fifteen, and has been there all the time through McKenna Cup games, through National League games, through the highs and lows with Cavan, and uh, in fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty, haven't been an absolute warrior or a minor on the twenty one level before that, and like it's. It's just reward for Kieran Brady. I know he's not the longest serving player on the team, but he's one player that that just empties the tank every time he goes out for Cavan. And I think he's a favourite of supporters for that reason, because there's pro- there's probably better uh, athletes on the team than Kieran Brady, but there's nobody as wholehearted as him. There's nobody that gets more out of their their football and ability than he does. Like as an attacking threat coming from the half back line, as a man who puts his body on the line. Uh, he's just an absolute warrior, Kieran Brady, and I'm just—I was delighted for him because he's one of my favorite players. Just for the, the way he just absolutely brings war every time he comes onto the field, and you can tell like 
uh, he he's such a proud calf man in that jersey. You know, I think he. I know he's and I know he's the same with his club, but I I just think he's he's a player that just gives it everything every time he goes out and never never lets the side down. Yeah, what I loved most about Kieran Brady's performance at at the weekend, and and I love to see this when you have possession of the ball, just show the intent that you're you're determined to get a score. Every single time Kieran Brady got a ball, he was looking to beat his man. He was looking to get into the opposition scoring zone. Didn't matter if there was somebody in front of him or two people in front of him. He was going to try to do it and rarely lose his possession while taking on a man. And that's, that's a big, big thing because we've got to the point now that we've gone from that it was zonal defences and beating mass defences to if you can beat your direct opponent, you're going to give your team a better chance of getting a score. And Kieran Brady, every single time he got the ball at the weekend, tried to beat his direct opponent and, and more often than not done it. I thought that that was a huge thing. And, and he brings that all the time. You hear some people talking about, oh, he brings it into the tackle too much. The way the game has gone, you've got to be able to bring it through a tackle. Kieran Brady would never get good at bringing the ball through the tackle without going into those tackles with the ball. So that's part of his game. And, and I just felt every single time he got the ball, the intensity that Calvin played at was at the right pitch you know, to go on and win the game. So I thought he was, I thought he was phenomenal at the weekend. and. Delighted for him. Yeah, phenomenal. Maybe we'll have a look, just look through the, the team and give a mention to the different players. I suppose there's no harm because uh, there's, there's going to be unsung heroes there as well. Like Just leaving aside the, the, the fellas like Ray Galligan and Thomas Galligan who have been picking up man of the match awards and have been awesome. Like Jason McLaughlin there, cornerback. Like the, definitely the unsung man of the Cavan team for the last... Uh, Cuts of ten years. Like I think, I think Chase is on the Cavan team since about twenty twelve or so. And you know, if when you, when he, he doesn't, he's not the first name that springs to mind when we talk about Cavan's best players. Even though he is one of Cavan's best players, and he's 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 just been there and been solid year after year after year. He always comes back, uh, always is available for selection. He's had a few injuries, but he's always there. And he, when he's fit which is most of the time in fairness, he's the first name on the team sheet. And for him to turn in a performance like he turned in in that final, to come up and get a point, was his left foot. And, and I think they said in commentary it was his first ever championship point, which I couldn't believe. Yeah. I thought he had scored a few, but he's definitely scored a couple in the league anyway. But uh, like that was, that was just like, if he never kicks the ball again, he can, say, he can say, I did something that very few people did. I put in the performance of my life when it was most needed. Ah, like I think from talking with a lot of people, as you say, picking up the phone or people picking up the phone to have a conversation about the Ulster final over the last, whatever we are now, 36 hours. Most people are, are or a lot of people are in the conversation that, that Jason McLaughlin was or very close to man of the match with his performance. Like this possession of Michael Murphy um, scoring a point, a few, few really good interceptions. I just thought I, I, it, was, it was a really complete performance. And it brings me on to a point that I, I, I thought back to the 2019 the final. And if you remember before the game, Jerry Smith started instead of Connor Madden, and who was the other one in, in, in the full forward line. Started 
Mickey started two backs up in the forward line, and everyone thought, oh, this it's so defensive. And then Donegal blew it out of the water, and it was, it was the wrong tactic. You know, it was completely wrong. He'd done it again. Jason McLaughlin started a wing half forward to Mark Ryan McHugh, and he destroyed him. You know, yeah, Ushin yeah. Kieran started a wing half forward to Mark uh, Patter Mogan, and he destroyed him. And a year on, nobody's praising the, the, the genius of it, you know, just because it may go unnoticed but again it, it was it was down to the matchups and tactically it was spot on it was the right thing to do yeah that's right that's right well look an element of that is history is written by the winners as well and like if you're a manager uh, you're going to get absolutely praised to high heavens for everything you did if you win and and the opposite's the case if you lose even though you might do the same things a lot of the same things but uh, yeah. that, that was two that was two massive strokes like especially Jason going on to Ryan McHugh like that was that was really really smart. Like and like Ryan McHugh is such a dangerous um, attacking player coming out of the half back line that maybe maybe you could have been tempted to put like one of your one of your best attacking players onto him and say like we're going to pin him back here and give him something um, you know keep his hands full. But instead, Kevin to, to essentially put a player who's a who's a man marker and a brilliant disciplined tactor. Uh, probably your best tackler in that sense, Autumn was brilliant. I thought getting James Smith into the team, I was talking to Keane Mackey before the game and he was crying out for James Smith to, to be brought in uh, and to, just to have an extra man around the middle of the field, you know, someone to, to help on kickouts, to bring to bring that physique and aerial threat. Um, and next thing the changes were announced and I, I said over to Keane, uh, you got your wish with James coming in. Like for a man who hasn't kicked the ball since halftime in the morning game, to come in and, and deliver the performance he did. He's only 21 years of age. He's the youngest player on the on the starting team in that game, and like he's going to be a regular starting player for Cavan for as long as he wants. He's got 10 years ahead of him at least in the blue jersey now. Hopefully he can stay fit, and he's going to go on, and he's going to be one of the best players in Ireland because he's just going to get better and better and better. I think. Yeah, he definitely has the potential. What I was most impressed with was that. He can go from a point where he wasn't, he had to come off against Monaghan four weeks ago, um, and then he was fit to start and play the entire game in the rest of the final. Like that, that shows a serious level of conditioning for me, anyway. I, I just think there's, there's obviously a, a huge amount, right? And again, we'll hear in the interviews they're talking about Mickey and a lot of the players talking about the strength and conditioning coach, Andre Quinn, I think in no small part, he's he's a, the key or one of the main keys to the success in, in this Cavan team because that's like even, think back to Niall Murray, you know, rupture quad, nobody expected him to be playing football this year and yet he's on the field when you lift the, the Anglo Cell Cup when, when the final whistle goes through a, a phenomenal recovery program. That's, that's something that, that, you know that doesn't happen by accident, and I think that that's a, that that shouldn't be overlooked um, when when we are analysing this this success. Well, <clears throat> completely, and and like Kevin have a great setup there, obviously now. Like, and the key now is going to be Kevin are going in the right direction. They just need to keep going in that direction. That, let's not do anything that's going to disrupt things. Um, like that, what happened in '97 was. The manager stepped down immediately. The captain retired. Damien O'Reilly retired. So was huge disruptors came into the thing, and uh, we, it just knocked Cavan back. And all they needed was a little, a little nudge forward. 
so that, so you'd hope that Calvin will learn from that now and just keep going in the direction that they're going in. Like hold on to the to the men who are doing things well and like the panel is going to get stronger because you can clearly see there has been a culture change even Oshin Pearson spoke about it after the game he was saying he's only in in the panel a short enough time relatively speaking but he said all the players have told him like that the, that the culture has changed now from, compared to what it used to be so that that's a huge thing there, there was a sense at one point that that players were doing Kevin a favor by playing that some players you, you kind of got the sense that it was like some players were nearly doing you a favour by being part of the panel. That's gone now. Every player in Cavan, I think, is going to be desperate to get onto that panel. I think the days of, of players opting out of the Cavan panel are probably in the past now because the whole thing was that, and we, we often talked about this, Damien, that it, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was always felt that you, could, you couldn't win unless you had all your players, but you wouldn't have all your players unless you could win. And it, mm. it, it felt like a, like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, if... So four or five players didn't, didn't uh, commit to it for a year because they didn't think you would win. Well, you wouldn't win because you were missing four or five good players. So they were right. Uh, but I think it, that was going to take a massive, um, a massive something radical to happen to just sort of fix that. And now we've fixed that. So now we've won. And I think players will be mad to play for Cavan. Cavan are going to get stronger. I've no doubt about that. Um, if you look at the, yeah. the lads who are old in football and there, they're not old men, but <laughs> like Ray Galligan. They're not that old. They're not that old. Raymond's 33. That's not old for a goalkeeper. Martin Riley is 33 and uh, he's one That's of not old for a Martin Riley. That's not old for Martin Riley, who, who, who looks after his body so well and, and has gone through his entire career and hardly ever picked up an injury um, yeah. because he's such a good athlete and he minds himself so well. There's, there's loads, loads of years after Martin Riley. Loads, loads of years. Yeah. And maybe he mightn't. In two years' time, Martin Riley mightn't be a starting player, but he could be doing an Niall Murray role there, um, and coming on. And yeah, when he gets as old as Niall Murray, he could. <laughs> <laughs> and Niall Murray's another player that that deserves huge mention. Like, I, last year before they got to the Ulster final, I, I remember calling Mickey Graham and asking him, uh, "What's your what um, is the setup for interviews for the Ulster final?" And he goes, oh, look, who do you want to interview? He says, well, no problem, man, anyone. Because Mickey Graham is just a dream to deal with from a media point of view. And he was like, there'd be no, there's no uh, hassle with it. He says, who do you want to talk to? And I said, I'd love to interview Niall Murray because he was, he was probably the most experienced player on the panel that I, that I didn't know personally or had never interviewed just the way things had fallen over the years. I didn't, I'd never happened to do an interview with Niall. And I, I arranged to call him anyway. And I just come off the phone thinking, that's one of the soundest fellas I, I ever interviewed over the years. He just seemed like such a down-to-earth, modest, sound fella. The type of fella that you'd find yourself rooting for and hoping to, that they'd get to the success they deserve. Like, and I know you're, I know you're for friendly with Niall. Uh, like, what, a, what, a, what a guy. Like. I, I, I don't know uh, whether this is a change or just maybe because he's a little bit older now. It, it it appears to be elevated, but Niall Murray's role within that team, even when injured, is is absolutely massive. You know, it, it's huge. And we talk about changing culture. Niall Murray and and Raymond Gallagher in particular, their hands are all over this. You know, they've they've gone about it. We'll hear from Raymond Gallagher on on the Diehards podcast and from Niall Murray. They, they went about making sure that the culture was right. That they that the perception of the Cavan players was a positive imagery around it. 
And I think in doing that, that, that was a key culture shift. And I think that it not only got the Cavan supporters 100% behind him, because I genuinely believe if Cavan had lost that Ulster final on Sunday, I do think the Cavan public would still have treated the lads like heroes because of the way they've been applying themselves. And I think that that's a big thing that when, they, when they, the general public are, are in support of the players, the players then have more confidence going out onto the field. And I, I just think it's, it, it's something that Niall Murray's role in that I don't think can be underestimated either. We'll, we'll hear from Niall Murray, um, him and Killian Clark, a really interesting interview with the pair of boys. And, and it was more like them talking and, and me just being lucky enough to listen to it. Um, but he, he is just, he's a good lad. He's a really, really good lad. And, and he's, the, he's the perfect role model. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this story, but I, I think I told you this off air about um, a, a lad that I know has, has, a, has a young son who, whose favourite footballers were Stephen and Niall Murray. And their mother, Stephen and Niall's mother, heard about it um, last year towards Christmas time. But over the Christmas break, Stephen and Niall just knocked on the door, found out where, where he lived. He was around Cavantown, knocked on the door and brought him up a couple of little gifts. And the kid, Santa Claus, was, was, was a very poor toward um, of, of the welcomed um, um, people to call to his house over that Christmas because Niall and, and Stephen done it. And, and they, they'd done that and literally were, were kind of saying, look, at that, don't. The, the parent wanted to take pictures and, and post on social media you know, that, that these were such good lads and, and the purpose was, no, please don't do it. Look, we're just delighted we've got, you know, fans. And that's only one example of the sort of stuff that goes on with these Cavan players now. But, um, you know, they're, they're just, they're super lads. They're, they really are super lads. And I think Niall Murray is, the, is, is a big, big part of that culture. Absolutely. Oh, look, we could sing the, we could sing the praises all day, like uh, every fellow. And we're not just saying it because they won, because we were saying it a couple of weeks ago, so in case anyone thinks we're getting on the bandwagon. But, you know, we were saying that, uh, you know, that it's a good bunch that's there at the minute. And like, I'm covering Cavan now 12 years for the Celtic. I'd say I'm covering Cavan nearly 15 years in total. And you couldn't always say that. You definitely yeah. couldn't, couldn't always have said that. Yeah, there was times like you would have had you would have had lads who are had big egos like years ago Jesus so there was you know there was fellas that, that would, like would get a tight to give you the time of day um, back then and yeah. there were fellas that didn't win anything so um, it. it just goes That's to show it. that that humility is so important yeah there's one last talking point I think he, he, he followed up with a second email just to talk about the national analysis. And we did say this on last week's podcast over on the Die Hard service that a lot of the time it's just lazy. Um, it's kind of making the point that these, these pundits on, on national, um, national television and even podcast and radio seem to just pull up the highlights reel and, and take it as gospel that that's everything that there is. Also, a lot of people, I think, getting kind of very annoyed over Sean Cavanagh's comment about Cavan, the seventh best team in Ulster, which is just, I think it's bitterness to the, to the nth degree, really. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, th- I think that's, um, that was a harsh comment. Like, I, I actually like a lot of those pundits uh, on, the, on the national circuit. Like, I really like Tomás Soche as a pundit. I like Kieran Whelan. I, I really like Colm O'Rourke as a pundit. 
but geez, I can't stand Sean Caffrey. <laughs> I, I just think he comes across really badly. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't buy what he says. I think it's just all shiny sort of gibberish a lot of the time. And uh, I'm sure he could, he could say the same about me as well if you wanted to, if you ever heard of me. But, uh, I don't know about shiny, but he could definitely say gibberish. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... I I don't don't think there's any soul in what he what he says a lot of the time, and um, that comment is just was just disrespectful towards Calvin completely. Now was there I, any, I, was the truth in it? Uh, well, we were definitely ranked ahead of Darren before before the championship. He said we were we were only ahead of Fermanagh and Antrim, was it? Going in, yeah, yeah. Well, we beat our man in the championship last year. Like did the two cracks at us and couldn't beat us last year. Okay, they're after getting the division one and beat us in the league. Fair enough, but. You could argue that we were behind Armagh. Um, yeah, well, maybe you could have made the case possibly that that we were that we were sixth. But I don't know how you put us behind Derry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, behind Derry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No, you we know, were, if we if you wanted to make the point, yeah, yeah, you could you could physically make the argument and say, well, you know on league standings down or after overtaking Calvin but I, I don't know where he gets it that we're behind Derry at any point um, well, look at we're, so ahead, I, we're, I, we're ahead of them all now we're ahead of them all <laughs> at this point I'll tell you what annoyed me more about Sean Cavanagh was the was the week before pointing out that you know the Cavan's goal shouldn't have been allowed I, I thought that that was a dangerous thing that can seep into the mind of referees, and we spoke about this last week as well. And it may have seeped into Barry Cassidy's mind that having got the rub of the green last week, you know, I, I don't want to be the one that, that makes the mistake that, that allows an underdog to get over the line. So I'm going to be right on top of Cavan here. Not that he's biased, but just that he's conscious of yeah. what happened the week before because it was highlighted on the national, on the national broadcast. I, I agree. So, yeah, I, I, just, I agree. Absolutely. I think that, that was you, a terrible point there. You made a great point there, Damien. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but I will say, I don't know exactly how how it works in in a, in the TV studio, but possibly those some of those talking points are supplied by researchers or something like that, and they would be under pressure on a Sunday evening. Uh, so I could I could possibly give him a pass just because I don't I don't understand enough or have the knowledge of how that works. So maybe he didn't select those those talking points. Maybe I wonder did they even watch the whole game. Uh, that time because I don't think so. Maybe they were trying to analyze too many games and they couldn't watch it all. I'd possibly give them a pass. It's like um, uh, a journalist writing an article and getting slated for the headline. 90% of the time they don't write the headline, but people don't know that. So I'd be wary of just attacking them about that. But somewhere, in the, someone in the Sunday game should have, should have balanced that out, uh, the analysis of the down game. And like it possibly did seep in. But, uh, to, to the referee and his team of officials subconscious minds because they're only human at the end of the day and if there's a whole narrative going around that, that a referee ha- had the team get into a final well you're, t- you're looking at it going Jesus they've been lucky up to this point and, um, and we, we can't have to be seen not to, to hand them an Ulster title and it'd be referees that would win it for them because it's only for referees that they're here because that was sort of the narrative that you would you would think uh, was the case if you just watched the Sunday game that night. Yeah, yeah, you would too. You would, but um, yeah, look at we 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 have a very very busy week ahead on the podcast. We will get through the social media talking points over on the diehard service. Just to give you a list of the players and people that we have interviews with, we've Grode McKeon and Thomas Galligan, Raymond Galligan, captain man of the match. 
we have Mickey Graham, of course, the, the manager. We have Killian Clark and Niall Murray, as well as Martin Riley, Killian the Gunner, um, Connor Madden, Gerard Smith, who else am I forgetting there? Kieran Callahan, um, and of course the audio diary of the day, which is basically myself, Paul Fitzpatrick, and, and Mickey Brennan sending WhatsApp uh, voice notes about the day as it goes, and 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 some exciting audio from the final whistle as Paul Fitzpatrick. I hope I can use this term. Paul lost his shit on uh, at, the, at the final whistle in Armagh. It, it deserves to be used. We also have reaction from the um, Cavan Camogues, who won the All Ireland Junior Premier Semi Final against Roscommon. They'll take on Armagh in the All Ireland Final on the same day. The semi Final in football, but we have reaction from that game as well. And the news that James Daly has stepped aside as Cavan Ladies football manager. We'll be talking to James later on in the week as well. So very, very busy week on the Die Hearts uh, service, which is over on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan. Thanks very much for listening to the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast. Please do support McAvoy Super Value. Great supporters of Cavan, of We Are Cavan and Cavan GA, and we need their help as much as they need our support in the shop. So please do shop local.